Welcome to the Wealth Collective Podcast, where the goal is to make finance fun and accessible to everyday Australians, sharing tips and tricks on how people can improve their financial position and have a laugh along the way. The information contained on this podcast is general advice only and hasn't taken into account your personal circumstances. Before acting on any of the content you've heard, you should consult your own financial advisor to consider whether that is appropriate for you. Hello, it's Pete Pennycott here, and welcome to the Wealth Collective Podcast. It's Friday, the 23rd of November, and today I'm joined on the show by financial advisor at Picada, Zach Masters. Hey, hey, guy. And paraplanner at Picada, Daniel Reaper. Hello, hello. Gentlemen, how are we all going today? Yeah, good. Feeling um, excited about all the sales that are going on at the moment. It's a Black Friday. Um, um, I'm very keen for that. I want to buy some, some sunglasses as well. It's a uh... The, the best time to buy, I think. Yeah, yeah very good. I've, I've been sort of uh, waiting for this. I've been, I'm tossing up between MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, sort of the Dell XPS, and um, and also there's a highway, sort of a Huawei. I don't even know how to pronounce it. There's sort of new laptop that's out as well that looks pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, a little bit of savings to be had. So I'll be out on that sort of on the weekend. What else are we up to? What's been happening? Uh, so we've got the election coming up for Victoria this weekend. So um, no doubt I've already seen everyone kind of getting to the early voting centres and trying yeah. to get it out of the way before the, the crazy rush yeah, uh, I would, tomorrow. I used to be quite attracted, you know, go for the sausage sizzle, enjoy, <laughs> the, enjoy the day out. But um, I must confess I did the postal vote as well. I did so. too as well, yeah. Yep. Last week, I think it was. So. Oh, I've still got to go in tomorrow and get it all done. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather skip the queues, so... Yeah, and um, yeah, well, we don't have a political view of Picada. It seems like most of the um, the experts out there and the pundits have tipped the Labor sort of landslide victory, but it looks yeah. Like it, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. So um, yeah, and the other big sort of news on the investment front was uh, you know, obviously coal split out of West Farmers, so they've had to go up their own, and West Farmers what retained fifteen percent or, or so of the business mm-hmm. and splitting the flyby sort of fifty uh, fifty with them. But I know I sort of had a, a couple of nervous investors that didn't understand why West Farmers shares dropped thirty percent on yeah. on yeah. Thursday. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so when you log in the ASX and see that um, yeah, your shares drop down that much, it's a, usually calls for an alarm. But by, but by I think eleven a.m. they were sort of uh, res, you know, confidence was restored when they saw yeah. that cold shares <laughs> came online, and they've sort of sat pretty pretty um, uh, steady for the the week so far. But yeah, anything else that we need to be covering off on, guys? Um, well, I came across a, a cool article the other day about um, UK's um, boss for Bet365 was getting paid like 300 and something mil each year. I was just blown away by that. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a fraction of what you, you, you've got sort of coming <laughs> in. But, uh, I can only imagine she's working pretty hard for that. And uh, yeah. it is a business that looks like it's going gangbusters and growing greatly. So yeah, depending great. on how you sit on the ethical front, um, it just seems like a hell of a lot of money to me. Though. Yeah, so exactly. I know we're in our um, the Instagram posts and sort of socials we've been sending out. We're talking about what we do with winning the lottery. Well, yeah. it'd be interesting to see what she does with yeah, her exactly. sort of <laughs> annual income and how that gets distributed. So, um, um, and then yesterday we had the the first of the AFL draft announced the the two. So yeah. um, it'd be interesting to see how. And did you actually watch it? I sort of saw there was a bit of a oh, negative feedback about how long it took to get through the top 10. Oh, I saw it? some of it. It was um, quite confusing, I think. I think they had a few technical issues with the internet there for the live trading in the morning and oh, wow. all this okay. stuff was happening. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, was, the first, sure. was that the first live trade? or Yeah, the first time you can live trade draft picks on the night. Man. So, that was a big one for Carlton. They sort of swung around mm. and said they thought someone would go a bit earlier. And, yeah, well, I'm, an future picks. I'm an Adelaide supporter, so I'm hoping that they go terrible. They'll have a similar year to this year and we've got their first pick for next year. Well, because you're an Adelaide supporter, I really hope Carlton actually make the top eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking like a terrible one. So, well, yeah, on to today's show. And what we're going to be covering off is we had a listener question uh, Emma from far north Queensland. So thanks for sending that in, Emma. So she got a sort of a significant tax return. I was wondering what she should do with the uh, the, the money. Um, so we'll cover off on that. And we've we've got, got some different opinions and a few things that um, Emma could be thinking about. So thanks for that question. The other one is going to be talking about the first home saver scheme. So I know, especially for a lot of Zach's clients in the accumulator segment, looking to enter the property market, that's one that's pretty key and also I'm actually seeing it a lot more of my clients actually trying to help their kids get into the market and yeah. money they're potentially going to gift them maybe that finds its way into super instead and there's a I guess an added benefit um, and then also we're going to be talking about total and permanent disability cover so um, hopefully we're going to you know jazz that up and make it a little bit more interesting but it, it's one that's yeah pretty important because it's you get it by default a lot of the time within your super um, so it's important to know what it does, what it covers, and also some you know, tips for how to best structure it. So I know, Dan, um, you sort of wrote a, an article about that, so we'll sort of dig a, a little bit deeper into that. So, um, But that's it, and we'll, um, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back when we'll cover off on Emma's question. All right, we're back, and uh, we're going to be covering off firstly on this question that we've got from Emma about you know, got a big tax return for the first time. So what do you do with the cash? You know, there's lots of opportunities, but the good thing is you want to be thinking and being quite purposeful with it. So I don't know, Dan, you've got any ideas about what you would do um, when and if you get a, a decent-sized tax return for the first time? Yeah, well, one thing that I would do is spend a bit of it. So yeah, of course you would. Yeah, of course you would. Exactly right. I might go out for a quick shot. But um, more on a strategy focus, um, you can donate to charity. Um, you can prepay some of your insurance premiums for the future um, just so you can get that tax deduction. That, that's that's probably the main two things I'll, I'll okay. talk about. Yeah, Zag, are you sort of doing anything uh, as exciting as Dan is, you know, going out and buying some new Prada sunglasses? <laughs> no, I'll stick away from the Gucci stores, I think. Um, no, I'd be looking more so on the investment side of things. So hopefully this is... A nice surprise and that you're not expecting it or needing it um, for your day-to-day cash flow so therefore you should be hopefully putting some of that away um, for the future so as we'll talk about um, in the next segment you know possibly the first time super saver scheme yep. if you're looking to save for a deposit for a home um, different things like that hopefully you're putting it away somewhere that it can be working for you so yep. like a, a you know a diversified index fund or shares if you're running a share portfolio and um, hopefully this should be almost like a bonus at work where you get given the funds, you're not necessarily expecting them back and you're not needing them for expenses and so on. So hopefully you can utilise those funds um, for your benefit and and use them to invest. Did you have any other thoughts, Pete? I'd agree with that. And I think it's really the best thing about a tax return is if you are getting it done quickly and if you are expecting a return, well, the main thing is get onto it quickly. So get onto your account and get onto your MyGov account and get your tax return lodged because, you know, the, otherwise, the ATO is making money off your return, basically, because mm-hmm. it's sitting there doing nothing. 
Um, so once that comes in, it's really it's a, it's at the start of the next financial year. So I think too much um, is done too late in the financial year where we go, we start planning for deductions and returns and mm. in the last quarter of the financial year. So given this one's coming for Emma really soon, you go, great, we've got the whole year to plan. So I'd be setting up the, the next financial year and going, what do I want to do with it? And I would invest some of it. I get that into the portfolio, get it working. And I'm even better at the moment. We've got a bit of a dip in the market where, you know, Aussie market, global markets are back where we were 20 months ago. So it's a really opportune time to sort of get that those funds in. And just, for, you know, focusing on that principle of pay yourself first. So right. get it into the portfolio of something that's growing. I be, would be paying off any debts as well. So if, you know, if it, Emma does have debts where I've got a credit card debt or a home loan or something like that, some of it should find its way to that cash buffer. So, you know, either getting rid of credit card debt or putting in an offset account, I think are really smart uh, things to consider. Um, and, yeah, if you did want to prepay expenses, that is going to help set you up for next year. So if you are making charitable donations and those sort of things, they might be things that you want to bring forward and go, hey, well, we want to get this again. I like this experience of getting a return. And the only way to do that is actually strategically plan for it. So I'm assuming Emma might have had an investment property or, Something like that for the first time that's actually seen her, I guess, get that refund. So, um, yeah, they're the, they're the things that I'd be doing. But um, unless you guys wanted to cover off on anything else, I think um, that sounds pretty straightforward. No, I, think, I think that's just about it. It's about making sure that, you know, you've got this extra money that's come in. So make sure it works for you as best as possible. And that's going to be different for for everyone. Yeah, and it's depending on what age Emma is and, you know, if, if Emma's young, you know, maybe superannuation is not the best strategy unless she is looking to buy, you know, her first home. Right. But otherwise, I think sort of keeping it flexible and liquid so you're not, you know, you can get access to it if you need to. I think that's pretty important as well. So um, we might take a quick break there and come back and talk about the first home saver scheme with Zach. All right, we're back again. So, first home saver scheme. That's a it's it's something that's getting a fair bit of run in the press. We're seeing it around, and I think it's actually one of the good policies that's come out of um, one of the recent budgets as well. So, mm. Zach, I know you've been sort of out there and seen a few clients already starting to use this. So, tell us a bit more about, I guess, what it is, who's it for, and and some strategies about how you can actually implement and use it. Yeah, so the first home super saver scheme is something that the federal government introduced in the 2017-18 budget and it's now uh, made into law. Yeah. Um, so what it is is it's the fact that singles can contribute 15000 per year um, or a maximum of up to 30000 in your lifetime into super, then claim the deduction for that, but then also draw the money out when they're ready to purchase a property. And you mentioned singles, so does it help if I'm a part of a couple from this strategic perspective? Or? Yeah, so if you're in a couple both looking to buy a, the home, you can do 15000 each, each oh, wow. year, and awesome. so with a maximum of 60000 combined. Yeah. Um, so that's something to look at there, which is it just makes sense for a lot of people, so especially if you're working on your, you know, you're on a decent marginal tax rate. Um, getting the deduction from contributing to super um, will mean that your savings just kind of stretch that bit further. Um, so even, like as you mentioned earlier in the show, a lot of parents sometimes might help out with a deposit for a home. Um, you mightn't have the money saved yourself, but maybe using their funds to deposit it um, into your super and claiming the contribution there as well is another way that a lot of people are looking at it. Yeah, too. and if you can look it up to that maximum of sixty thousand, that's not an insignificant amount of money. You know, when mm. you're talking about the average first homes are somewhere around about half a mil to maybe six hundred, six hundred fifty thousand. You know, you're talking about nearly ten percent of the the um 
the purchase price there, so it's pretty significant and does make a big impact. So, um, so who's it for, Zach? Who's who can use it, or who are you sort of suggesting would should explore it a little bit further? Yeah, so you have to be a first homeowner. You have to be over the age of eighteen. Um, so that kind of might rule out some people in terms of if you've already bought a first home, even if it's an investment property, you can't use this strategy. Yeah. Um, so that's something to be aware of there. It's also something to be aware of is that once the money's in the superannuation environment, you can only draw it out when you're ready to buy a home. So if later down the track you decide, oh, hold on, maybe you know I'm not quite ready just yet and I don't want to buy it. Rent life for me for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, then it is stuck in the super environment and you can't get it out until you are ready to purchase. So if you're sort of a 22-year-old, how long might you be waiting to get that? Is it just waiting a couple of years to get it or what's preservation age for those out there? Yeah, so at the moment, who knows what it could be for when they're they're ready to get, um, you know, to retirement. It keeps getting put out further and further. But it is that's something where you've got to be aware of going, if you're wanting to implement this strategy, you're probably wanting to know that you're going to be purchasing a property within the next few years for certain. Um, because ideally you want to make those two years worth of, of contributions to make the most benefit out of it. And you can do it over a little bit longer for those that sort of go, yeah, I'm going to buy in the next 10 years or so. You can have a longer sort of drip feed those money in and you know, we're all proponents of dollar cost averaging and building things over time. So you know, if you can't do $15,000 a year, and I know when I was sort of looking for my first home, finding an extra fifteen grand in my um, bank account over the course of a year is, Easier said than done. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. So that's something that I'd sort of, you know, you can stretch it out as well. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely like it's for a lot of people, it becomes a no-brainer. So, so as we mentioned earlier, if you are working, you know, you're earning a decent amount, doing that contribution to super will ultimately give you more of a tax refund as well, which means that your dollars are just lasting that bit longer or going that bit further. And um, also whilst it's in there, the money's earning money as well. Um, so like it's earning more than what we're getting in a cash account or whatever at the moment. Yeah, so what happens there? So I guess that was something that I was a bit nervous about and had to read through the fine print initially. Mm. What if I put the money into super? I've made the contribution. My super balance actually dropped. So i.e. what's happened in the last 12 months and I put it in. Does that mean I've lost money on what I've put in? Yeah, so no, that's a good question. So that's um, a common one too because obviously if you're looking to buy something in the in the short term, um, then maybe investing the funds fully in growth assets isn't the best way to go about it um, due to the volatility. But the way this works is that it's based upon the 90-day bank bill rate plus three percentage points. Um, so therefore, you know, it's it's guaranteed that you're not going to lose yeah. the money. And what are we talking about there? So for those out there that don't, you know, I know you've sort of got that on your homepage, what is that, the bank bill rate and those sort of things. It comes out around about 4.96% or something yeah. around that mark. Yeah, at the it's moment. around that mark at the moment. So I think I'm looking at it at the moment saying 2.03. Plus you three, yeah. So. Yeah, so you're looking at around that currently. Um, so that's another important thing to note there, that your money is going to be earning more in there than probably what you're going to be earning in your cash account. So commonly what, what people are doing when they're looking to purchase a new home is that usually if it's within the next year or two, you're probably saving a large proponent of that in your cash account because you you can't um, cop some of the, that volatility that we've seen recently yeah. um, because then you know your deposit could possibly go down. So you want something a fair bit more defensive. Um, this allows you to have that growth in there um, and get a lot better than what you're currently getting in the cash account too. Yeah, and, actually, and the actual mechanics of how it works. So 
I've put my money in there. It's, you know, I've done that over a course of a couple of years or a few years. What's the actual steps of actually actioning it and getting that money back out before you buy? Because I know that's the, one of the, the traps of going not leaving enough time <laughs> because yeah. the ATO, the wheels do not move instantly. So I need to make sure I'm sort of leaving enough of a buffer there to get the money out in time for settlement. So any tips on how long you should budget for? Yeah, so usually you'd want to leave you know, a, a fair bit of time as a buffer you know, maybe a couple of months or so, a month or two, um, because you're going to have to get in touch with the ATO and get a form sorted. Um, and then usually you'll get in touch with uh, whoever your superannuation is with as well um, and notify them of what you're planning to do. Yeah. Uh, because you don't notify them when you're making the contribution. It's when you're ready to, to draw yeah. it out. And I'd say the other sort of tip that I'd give people is make sure you've got, you've got your MyGov set up correctly because mm. you can actually sort of fill out an online form to do it in MyGov. And my gosh, should be something you're accessing regularly because I think we've covered off it on you know, previously that you can see your super, all these details are in there. And this is another way that you can avoid using paper forms. So you know how much I hate paper forms. Um, yep. <laughs> so on, online is the way to go. And then also just being really clear on, you know, it's not, you know, you need to be clear on, you, you'll get an assessment on how much money you're actually going to get paid out. So that's part of the process that happens. And mm. the ATO, you know, give a turnaround time of 28 days, it kept, you know, possibly could blow out. So, yeah, I like the, the two months is a good lead time as well. And then you've got 12 months before you actually have to spend it on a property. Um, yeah. And if you go beyond that, obviously there's some penalties that apply, but yeah. so be, you'd want to be pretty certain, but also don't have it rushed because you know, buying your first home is stressful enough. Um, so yeah, it's not something you want to add to that. Yeah, exactly. And then the other things to look at too is that whenever you're, you know, making contributions to super, it's to be make sure you're within your limits as well. Um, yeah, so point. not going over that twenty five thousand um, either, because otherwise then you're going to get hit hit with the the penalties that that, are, that occur with that as well, um, which will therefore maybe not make the the strategy as beneficial as it could be. Yeah. Um, so make sure you're aware of what your contribution limits are. And how much you've already contributed, you know, um, a lot of people might be getting potentially paid more than the ten thousand in um, superannuation guarantee. Yeah. So therefore, the, you know, adding the extra fifteen in will take them over the limit. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, that's very good tip. So make sure you are sort of calculating that and taking it into account. So, yeah. Any other strategy uh, things that you should be considering or people that it could be used for, Zach? No, I think that's. I think we've covered off most of them, but I think um, it is something that. You know, pretty much every first homeowner should at least be, at the very least, be looking at it. It's going, you know, am I going to get any benefit from this? Because I think for most people, it will, there will be the chance to get some benefit there. Yeah. Um, if it's, you know, getting that extra bit of interest rather than, you know, what you're currently getting in your cash account, whether it's the tax savings from making a contribution to super, there's going to be a lot of different ways that people can benefit from from this yeah. um, and a lot of people don't know about it really yeah. at the moment. Like it's um, a, lot of, a couple of my friends you know, who are buying houses, I'm saying, have you done this? And they haven't heard about it. So, you know, now they're looking into it. Um, so it's something that, you know, a lot of people are still quite unaware of. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's fresh. It's new. Yeah. Like it only got passed in, in legislation in December last year. So Yeah, exactly. Um, and that is, as we mentioned earlier, like for parents who are looking to put a deposit, you know, help out with a deposit for a first home for their kids, um, this is something that can be of benefit. To them as well. Yeah, that's good. I, I think it's a big. That's the big one for me. So obviously, mm. I have a sort of a client set that's a little bit older on on yeah. average. So, you know, if you're going to be helping them out anyway, it makes sense. You're going to help them get a tax deduction anyway. So yeah. you go. You're going to have give them extra savings capacity because they're going to sort of reduce their 
taxable income, hopefully get a, a refund as well. Yeah, and that goes back to Emma. That's you know this flow-on effect of going, hey, if you're going to be gifting the money anyway, let's do it a little bit smarter and get the ATO and the sort of the government to give a bit of a, a help along for that first purchase because we know. You know, until recently, property markets have been running pretty high and affordability is a problem. So, um, yeah, really awesome sort of um, strategy yeah. to take advantage of. Yeah, that's the thing. Whenever the ATO or the government's going to give you a little um, boost or a free kick, you to make sure that you're making making the most of it. Awesome. No, thanks. That was a bit of a, a good deep dive. And, you know, any questions, you know, Zach, you're happy to take people's um, queries. So, Zach at picada.com.au is yep. his email address. And, you know, if you're thinking of it or uncertain or, We've confused you more through this little uh, deep dive. Then feel free to sort of hit up Zach with that. Yeah, we'll also have a blog post out on it too with all the updated um, facts and figures and everything. Yeah, um, so that'll be sort of on Facebook, Insta, yeah. those sort of places. Beautiful. Thanks for that, Zach. And um, after the break, we'll be back with Dan talking about total and permanent disability or TPD. So look forward to it. All right, welcome back, all and uh, Dan. So, total and permanent disability—it's not something that um, a lot of people find too sexy. Um, yeah. But I think it's really important to sort of have a good understanding of it and what you can do. So, you're going to sort of run through, I guess, what it what is TPD or total and permanent disability, and sort of a few strategies. So, talk to us. What is it? Yeah, sure. So, just with insurances, it's not really the sexy part of what we do at the Carter, but it's something that everyone should consider. Um, because it's great building an investment plan, but with no risk insurance plan that that goes with it, yeah. that's well, pr- not what you want. Protecting it is just as important as creating it. Exactly right. Uh, and it's good to have a plan B because, yeah, unfortunately, things do go wrong. Yeah. 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 And unfortunately, we see, you know, claims every now and then as well, whereas if the, the clients or the people didn't have the protection put in place... Um, and it's a far worse scenario. Yeah, and it's yeah. not always old people. That's the thing. Yeah, of going, exactly right. Yeah, we've, we've had a fair few, unfortunately, like your young clients that we've had to sort of lodge these claims for, and it's yeah, no, you know, can't pick it. Like, yeah. unfortunately, it just happens. So, yeah. um, so Dan, you know, what else have we got here that we need to sort of know, or what are the key things about total and permanent disability? And we'll, and we'll with. Your permission, we'll just call it TPD for the rest yeah, of the, the session because I'm going to go a bit tongue-tied. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So TPD is one of the four um, insurance covers out there. Um, it pays out a lump sum on a claim. Um, there's two different definitions that everyone has to know. There's own occupation and any occupation. So own occupation just means that um, you can no longer return to work um, to your own actual job. Any means you can no longer return to work in any occupation that you're reasonably trained or qualified to do. And is that an important distinction? That's a major distinction. So um, the two different insurance covers, you you can have both of them or you can have either one or or. Um, the 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 most important thing to know is that um, own occupation is the insurance cover that's quite more expensive because it's fitted to your own occupation. Um, any is a bit cheaper because it's a lot, a lot more broad. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that's probably the main thing. To do is there an example that. that you can give of going any versus own occupation in terms of payout for a type of profession? Or yeah. So in most of our cases, we superlink our TPD um, insurance covers. Um, so what that means is you have any occupation inside of super and own occupation outside of super, um, and the. In the event of a claim, what happens is 
um, the insurance goes through the any occupation definition first, and if that's not met, then they look at the outside, which is their own occupation. So as a good example, so I'm a financial advisor, so if I wanted to go and claim, or Zach potentially, mm-hmm. yeah, let's have something horrible go to Zach instead yep. of me, actually. <laughs> that's a, that makes a lot more sense. Well, like from an any occupation, I'm, I'm reasonably trained and qualified. I could probably teach a, a room of students about financial planning. Um, but I may not be able to perform my own role of actually being a financial advisor. And for mm-hmm. me, that's a massive difference because yeah. as much as I love financial planning and financial advice, I actually love being a practitioner of it, not so much putting me in a classroom and talking and sort of speaking and sort of bringing up um, you know, what is financial advice to a bunch of students. So, mm-hmm. And that's pretty important of going, well, it gives you options and a bit more confidence of going, I am going to get paid because, yeah. you know, if I was seriously injured and ill and not able to perform what I do, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd want to be having to go to work and do something that I'm reasonably trained and qualified yeah, to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd much rather have my claim and have that option mm. um, to take the time off and spend time rehabilitating, you know, doing what I need to do. Yeah, that's a good point is that it's, um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of different skills in different areas. So what you might be trained or qualified to do could be, a, you know, quite a vast a range of different things, mm-hmm. um, but if you're, you know, really passionate about your role you're currently doing in your own role, um, that's where the own occupation becomes quite important. Yeah, it's, it's really important to talk to um, the insurance provider that you do go with as well, and read through the PDS um, is one thing you should do, and then talk to the insurance provider just so you get an idea of um, exactly what any occupation means. Beautiful. And you mentioned something before that we sort of uh, glossed over a little bit: super linking. So. Tell me more about super. It sounds awesome. Yeah, it's uh, is it like Superman? Like <laughs> superpowers? It or? isn't quite like that. Okay. So <laughs> when it comes to insurance ownership, um, there's two there's two main ownership types. There's um, life insured, which means that you personally own the policy, um, and what that means is you pay the you pay the insurance premiums out of your own pocket. Um, and the other ownership is through your superannuation fund. So your superannuation pays the premiums. Um, and when it comes to Superlink, as I said before, own is outside, which is your personal, and any is inside, which is super. So I get a lot of people often coming and saying, you know, I've got TBD inside of super. Does this mean that they don't have own occupation in there? Um, that is correct. So the main thing to know about own occupation, you can't have it inside of super. It can only be outside. And the reason for that is because... Um, their condition of release isn't satisfied with own occupation. So, yeah, it's, that's worth noting. Yeah, it's a big decision. And I think everyone comes in and goes, yeah, I've already got it. And, yeah, obviously, we're used to hearing that and that's obviously not the case. So there is a gap there. Um, so anything else? So, you know, in, in terms of strategies, Daniel, is there sort of other things we need to be considering or take, thinking about? Yeah, so one question that we do get asked a lot is how much cover should I actually have? Um, and as I said at the start, insurance is really about protecting um, yourself, your financial assets, and any dependents, whether it's a spouse or children. So, it's, is it the same number for everyone? Is that yeah. no, no, no? So, every, everyone's in a different financial state. So, um, the main things you want to cover is things like your your debt, so paying off any any debts you have, um, any upfront bills in, uh, in terms of any hospital bills at all, um, and any ongoing expenses that that you may need. So, in the event that you, you do have a TPD event. You want to make sure that um, the income that you were that you were earning was um, is now supplemented into that, and any and any ongoing um, 
education costs as well. Yeah, and does it, does it play nice with other covers? Because I know you mentioned ongoing income. So if you've got income protection, does that mean you don't need TPD? Or? Uh, the, short answer, the short answer for that is no. What's so, the long answer? The long answer is the most ideal risk insurance plan has all four covered. So IP, which is income protection, trauma cover, TPD, which, we talk, which we're talking about now, and life. So they, they do all complement each other. So income protection just um, supplements the income that you, you lose. Um, and TPD is really that big lump sum payment that just helps out in a different way. Yeah, because I think if um, to an important point to note is that with a TPD claim, you're usually in quite a bad state. So it's two yeah, medical exactly. professionals saying you can never work ever again. So if you think about you know, what kind of state you'd have to be in for that to happen, um, mm. it's not great. So you're going to have a lot more of those expenses like changes to the house exactly and medical right, expenses. Yeah. Yeah. Even like car, you think, okay, yeah. you may, depending on what it is, you may need adjustments to your car. Yeah. Um, and I think the one that often gets forgotten is like you may have income protection which protects your income, mm -hmm. but what if you've got family, friends, a spouse, someone who has to take time off to actually stay home and care for and you. And help you, yeah, that's right. Or you may have to hire a carer yeah. as well. Yeah. So there's, that's not usually taken into account because they can't claim their income protection benefits. Mm -hmm. They may have like a week or two or something of carer's leave. But otherwise, you know, you don't want to become a financial burden on people just because you've suffered one of these you know, events that's caused you to become you know, unable to do what you do. Yeah. Um, no, so that's really important. And then is there any other stuff or is, is, you know, is this particular for an age group, a demographic? Or who's TPD relevant for? It's really relevant for everyone, um, whether you're young or old. So like all insurances, you have to consider um, your current financial state and you have to think worst case scenario. Yeah, and then you know, if you're not working, is TBD something for anyone that is not working or is it only for people that are employed? What's the, what's the, what happens there? Well, it should be for anyone that or is, is either working or not working because there's that burden of paying well, well, whatever it is, you have to pay. So yeah, and then obviously definitions are the important. Yeah, so yeah. you'll have a non-working TPD definition or a, you know, or a homemaker. A, yeah, homemaker yeah. as well. No, beautiful. And then is this something that you should be going to your super fund for? Should you be going and looking outside of super? Like who should you be speaking to if someone wants to get started and make sure they've got enough total and permanent disability? Well, the most um, ideal thing to be would be to go see a financial advisor. Right, shameless plug. Carter.com.au. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not to be biased at all. But, um, <laughs> but let's say someone is wants to be self-directed. Are there ways or sort of, you know, resources that you can direct them to that don't necessarily lead to them having a chance to you? <laughs> yeah, well, well, really, you can just talk to your super fund and yeah. just have, have a chat about, hey, um, I want to know what type of cover I have. Um, I'd like to know the premiums of it, the definitions, um, and what possibilities you can to to ensure it really well the hard thing is that's going to only be half the battle so yeah because exactly. it's only super um but yeah i'd say like money smart website yeah. is something to check out which gives yeah. you some i guess depth of definitions and then there are ways you can apply directly to insurers but you know obviously i would caution against that as well because yeah, yeah it, there's a lot of diff, you know subtleties in the definitions features, of features and options for all insurances so it's 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 really best to, to speak to an advisor about that Perfect. Oh, awesome. Uh, are you happy to that covers everything? Is there anything, uh, last remarks about total impairment disability? Um, at a high level, I think that covers everything at the moment. So, Beautiful. Yeah.
Thanks for that. Well, that'll sort of uh, wrap us up for the day. I know sort of everyone's keen to get into the weekend and I can see Dan over there scrolling on his phone looking through Black Friday deals already. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm quite ready for this. So. <laughs> uh, very good. Um, and then, yeah, we'll look forward to catching up next week. We'll have the outcome of the election and, yeah, see how that all lands and see if all these so-called experts were right and uh, yeah. watch the auction clearance rates drop again. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. See you guys and uh, welcome back and see you next week. Thanks for tuning into the Wealth Collective podcast. You can get in touch with us and send any questions to connect at picarda.com.au or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. If you have enjoyed this, then please subscribe and five-star us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Until next time, live well and be prosperous.